That's like saying, what you know, you have a group of people, maybe you work together, you're doing life with, but you're going to throw a party. Well, what kind of party do you want to have? If nobody in your in your group likes to bowl, you're not going to have a bowling party, right? But if everybody likes to bowl, then you have bowling parties, and that's that's what your gatherings look like. This is Big C, Little C, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church, Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Jeremy, you strangely don't have any of my favorites here. You're a lime guy? No, I like the, um, I've not tried the pink grapefruit. I might like it. I've never had the cola. Um, <clears throat> I have had the Dr. Pepper one. I do the um, cranberry lime, which is surprisingly not very limey or very cranberry, but it just seems to have a lot of flavor. Is that Kroger brand? Oh, yeah. I'm talking about the Kroger, the seltzer water. Name, seltzer water. All right. We're just going to... Yeah, yeah, just kind of a free-for-all. I'm going to start with the watermelon. You should. I think I'll try this. Uh, I'll, th- I'll try the pink grapefruit. Is that all right? Yeah. You feel good? So. Did you get the crack open? Not, not like I should. Let me get the crack Please. open. Watch this. I'm going to spray it right into the mic. Should I shake it first? <laughs> That's just. I mean, you could ASMR channel that. One time I was using the restroom, and, uh, you know. Very similar? For the finish. Yeah. Nice finish on that. Drinking my juice out of a bowl. Well, I've had chili two days in a row, so if there's any other sound effects you think you might need, I could possibly come through. I'll order those. As needed. Uh, The watermelon, very good. Yeah? My favorite sparkling water is the bubbly uh, grapefruit. Can't find it. Thanks, Biden. You're, are you a grapefruit guy? You like grapefruit? For an unsweetened, because you're not used to sweet grapefruit anyway. True story. So to me, it, it, yeah. your senses, you don't miss the sweetness. Mm-hmm. We got on the seltzer waters, I think, at a, in a diet several years ago. Mm-hmm. And we just discovered that, I don't know that we loved them right away, but we got kind of used to them. And then you have a little bit of flavor. You get the carbonation. You get... No sugar, no caffeine. It's kind of a win-win. We don't drink them all the time, but it's something we we probably have with dinner pretty frequently. Yeah, I've, I've mostly made the switch. For New Year's Eve this year, I didn't have the Welch's for my New Year's toast. Oh. My mom has a small uh, grapevine out in her garden, and she makes the, this uh, stevia-sweetened uh-huh. grape juice. So in, in lieu of my um, calorie-ridden Welch's sparkling grape juice... Yeah. I took this Waterloo uh-huh. grape, half and half with mom's, oh, and I toasted with that. What do you think? I, you know, it's fine. I don't really. My I usually with my toast. Um, when I was a kid, we I would do my toast with butter and then some cinnamon sugar on it. Avocado? Oh no, no, no. just a oh. piece of toast, butter, and then cinnamon sugar because sugar kind of makes everything better. And you would toast with that? No, that's just how I ate my toast. Oh yeah. I do a lot of toast. I, I think that toasting has to be done with alcoholic beverages, so I don't do a lot of toasting. No. I'm a Welch toaster. Yeah. Yeah, Welch's. I think we probably have, you know, in some of those good Christian weddings, you get some. We know that Jesus did turn the water into Welch's, so I was, this, uh, this we know. 
I was the best man at a wedding at one time that Ron Bon was officiating. No lie. And toward the end of the uh, reception, he went around to every table and finished off their Welches. Nice. That's hearkening back to his childhood when you would, uh, after, because his dad was a pastor too, and so... After Communion Sunday, then you could finish off all the little shots. I guarantee you that's what he had in his, he could just, in his own head, I'm sure he could see, oh yeah, finish off those little micro cups of grape juice, because I, I did that as well. Got a little bit Didn't older. know that. Yeah, when I got a little bit older, I would sometimes prepare it. I feel pretty certain that's probably what he, what he was thinking. Oh, this reminds me of my childhood, finishing off the leftover Communion. Can't do that in the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church, because they're using the real deal over there. You can't let your kids finish No. I wonder if Drew Bond has taken the mantle of the grape juice finishing. Uh, I would. I don't know because you know he would have had to do it. He was really young because by the time they hit Lakeview, you know the pastor wasn't personally mixing up the <laughs> the, the communion arts, True. as it were. Nor were the kids in charge of cleaning it up afterwards. The elements. This has got me nervous, man. We have a printout going well, on. Well, here here we are, sparkling juices with the front man. Right. We'll call it beautiful shirt and all. Yeah. I thought front man shirt. See pics. Mm-hmm. We are seven, eight months removed from the current church. Yeah. Uh, what, what kinds of things have percolated for you as of late? Uh, not on the page. Not just, on the page. Just as uh, being out of the daily grind. You know, here I am seven months removed, or we are, and I, I still find myself trying to unwind mm. from uh, pastoral life, if you will. Um, or maybe from the business, I think that I thought we'll, we'll wrap this up and then I'll have a lot of free time. My life will be less busy. Um, and I still find myself really having to intentionally say no to things because I have opportunities, some of them really good, that come my way. And I have a real hard time saying no to because I am a probably a people pleaser and I do like to help where I can. So I find myself saying yes to some things that I'm getting better at it the farther down the line I go. Um, and then we had, you know, there was just some family stuff that we were, I had hoped to get to that I still don't have those things wrapped up. I've moved, you know, I'm checking some things off the list, but haven't got all of that done yet. But, um, yeah, I, feel, I still feel like I'm still unwinding from it. I still... Have people ask me about it a lot, ask me about the church, um, so people not knowing that we had closed mm -hmm. and wondering what I'm doing now. And it doesn't seem like I'm doing a lot different because I was already full-time some, doing something else while we were still pastoring the church. So yeah. um, I'm still doing that. Um, in the last month, maybe this year, since getting over the sickness and all that, I just feel like um, I'm finding a lot more joy in my in my work. Like I look forward to going to work and, you know, doing the remodel thing and fixing things for people. And I, I enjoy it. I like to be at the end of the day going, I did that. I accomplished something. I helped somebody. A lot of times it's, um, you know, we have tenants that, in fact, I had a dinner with one of the partners in the, for the company I worked for last night. And he was saying that tenants have told him how thankful they are for me that, yeah. I show up and do stuff, and then the company is real thankful too because pretty much a lot of most of the tenants just have my number directly. They don't even go oh, through wow. them anymore. They've got an online form they can fill out, but as soon as they meet me, I just give them my number. I'm like, if you've got an issue, just call me, and then I just try to handle it. So it's been kind of cool, um, that responsibility, and I just I enjoy doing it. And 
knowing that I'm, you know, you're helping. It's different, but I'm helping. Read a interesting. I might be quoting the wrong person. I think it was, well, I think it was Eric Cooper that posted it, but I believe that it was a uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. quote that said um, something along the lines of, God's going to be milking the cows today, and he's going to use the milkmaids to do it. And that has really resonated with me here lately that, you know, whatever I do, it's God's going to do it, but he's going to use me and, and us, just people. And I see that almost as a culmination of yeah. everything I've been preaching for the last 15 years that, yeah. you know, that God's in the stuff. We just got to recognize him in the stuff. And I've gone back and forth on that over the years. Growing up, you thought, well, either you were called to ministry or you weren't. Sure. And then kind of the whole, like, when I run, I feel God's pleasure from Chariots of Fire. You, I learned that in, <laughs> at, at youth camp. So then anything could be an act of worship. And I remember after I went to, I finished school, then worked in Nashville for a couple of years, then went back to get my grad degree. And when I moved back from that to basically start my career now in broadcasting, I met up with a former pastor friend for breakfast just to catch up and... Oh. I almost missed the cup. Man, that's good. That's good. That's good stuff. And Your pastor friend, when you came back after... He asked me what I was... You know, what, what are you up to? What's God doing? And I said, yeah, I got this degree. Then I stayed a couple more years and worked. I felt called to this. I just got this opportunity. I'm going to be working at a warehouse while I'm an unpaid intern. And then hopefully a blah, 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 a few details. Yeah. He let me talk and he goes, but what are you doing for the kingdom? Yeah. And (laughs) Right. So I've gone back and forth. Do we hide behind that? Do we hide behind wall? My, I'm Christ yes. to my my coworkers every day, yes. and then do we hide behind that and, and we don't explore beyond? I mean, that that could be a comfort zone. That can be oh, for sure. Parameters we give ourselves. Well, yeah, I'm worshiping through my broadcast right. job Monday right. through Friday. So it all goes back to the attitude of the heart. Um, if you're using it as a, you know, a coy little box or whatever, something to hide behind, so you don't have to actually engage with people about the things of God, then no. But if we're looking to redeem the time, making the most of every opportunity, um, do everything as unto the Lord, if we're doing those things, um, then I think that it is. But you got to, if you don't approach it with intentionality, then yeah, you're just working. And that's when work gets drab. I mean, work work gets trapped. I mean, there's, you know, sure. it's like life gets that way. But um, the problem we're going to have with these seltzer waters is the that's going to be the problem. Yeah. It's the Rona, the Rona belch. It's in there. And no matter what you have, you just chalk it up to, yeah, well, I had, it's, it's I got it with Corona. How bad did it get for you? Not very. Mostly fatigue. I, I felt like I swallowed razor blades for about two and a half days. Real bad sore throat. And then just fatigue real bad those three days and then after that i didn't feel good probably for maybe a total of five or six days and then the next week i felt like i should be able to go back to work but i was so stinking tired dude which of course you're still i mean you're quarantined you're supposed to be anyway so i stayed i just stayed home man and didn't 
I didn't sleep a whole bunch other than just at night, but I would sit around in the day and I'd just be like, I just had no energy to do anything. When you posted that about home remedies for sore throat, mm -hmm. first of all on that, I had a laugh at the person who said, do this, 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 and it'll be gone in three days. Three days? Yeah, well, it was gone in three days, but I, I knew it would be gone in three days. I wanted it to be gone right now, or at least have the symptoms lessen right now. Second of all... I read that entire 47 post thread. Were there 47 comments it, on that? Probably. It was around 50 because I had the sore throat I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. And I was like sucking on garlic. Yeah, it was pretty, um, probably, I'd say probably the worst sore throat I had, had maybe ever had. Didn't keep me from eating or drinking. It just hurt really bad. In fact, I, I've i always so found bad. that when I have a sore throat, right, my lips hurt real bad. Chip, I tried chapstick. It wasn't working. <laughs> I just couldn't. I ate like three sticks of chapstick, but nothing, nothing helps. Yeah, that was the worst. Yeah. So you know, two weeks of not feeling too. I mean, it was the good COVID, the best COVID you can get. I'm sure it was the Omicron. It, it was, was all in my COVID. throat. The best COVID. It was all in the throat, and uh, and just really tired. Never lost the taste. Never lost the appetite. Probably gained some weight to be honest, because I just would eat. Man. My taste was funky for about a month, I think. Really. I don't know if it was bad. I, I will say that my coffee didn't seem to taste as good as usual, but it didn't not taste like coffee. It just didn't taste like my usual perfect cup. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But whatever. It's it's behind me, and I think that, um, you know, we got enough going on in the world right now. People aren't even hardly really talking about COVID anymore. Yeah. As we record, the Russians have invaded Ukraine, so bigger fish to fry, apparently. That's cool. pretty, pretty scary. Anyway. According to my calculations, you have preached at least three times at Church 52. I have. Is that enough frequency to, to scratch your preaching itch? It, it hasn't kept me off of Facebook, if that's what you're asking. Um, uh, honestly, probably only one of those times that ever did I really feel like I need to preach. The other times I just I preached because I was asked and kind of needed, and so I did. I don't really get an itch a whole lot to necessarily to preach. It's when when I do it's or when I feel like I've got something to say. It's nice to have an outlet, but I don't wake up every day with you know, hey, I've got a, a word from the Lord that needs to be shared with the masses. So I've been thinking a lot about that as I continue to serve at different churches and take more of an outsider's view at the art of preaching, mm -hmm. how formulaic it is. One church, the sermon is essentially read right off an iPad. Does it feel that way? <clears throat> Or does he read it in such a way, or she read it in such a way that it doesn't feel read? It's, it feels read to me, but my antenna are up for such things, sure. so I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I'm much more discerning. No, I just—that's a big thing in radio. Like if I if I hear one of our hosts clearly reading his show, you know it bothers me immediately. Sure. So my antenna are up for, yeah. for such things, but um, preaching is a lot like the broadcast well, media. I think the present nowadays more so than maybe ever. Yeah, so preaching is, I mean, if you go to um, fine arts in the AG, there's a preaching competition. Right. It's a competition of it's preaching. It's a competition. It's the worst. So so, so it, it clearly is regarded as an art. Right. A little bit of science, a little bit of performance. Mm -hmm. But as I hear, see these other preachers, I think about what we, and I, I'm not, other than just 
shooting the bowl about stuff we care about. I'm not trying to dig anything up or, sure. or miss the old days or whatever. Right, right, right. But I, I do look back as someone who was aware that you were not l- crazy about coming up with something to say for Sunday night and how you had, at the end of the Sunday night, you had that weekend relief. Like, that's mm-hmm. over. Yeah. And, and more so at the end. Yeah. I wouldn't say all the time, but that, that comes and goes. I don't know any preachers that don't have that because sometimes oh, you, sure. just, you just get performance anxiety. Like if you were going to do a live show on the on the air, you might know exactly what you're going to do, but still probably have a relief at the end. Like, oh, okay, I did that. It's done. Yeah. But toward the end, it was such a, we were such a small family. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of give and take. There was a yep. lot of audience participation yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it never felt I obviously I will never know the pressure you felt or didn't feel or whatever but I like I, I think I've told you before on this particular program that the 60 people there or six people there I didn't feel a drop off in your readiness to, yeah. to have God speak through you I didn't feel like we were getting a B or C version at the end when I knew you were out of gas mm-hmm. nothing like that yeah. and so I wonder there were times I think that Maybe you got something in the piston room and basically just read a scripture and then talked about it for 40 minutes. 100%. And I wonder, like when I listen to music, there are some songs where like, that's a well-written song, but I can see the gears grinding. I can see the writer sit down, verse one, pre-chorus, chorus. There are some songs that just are. Right. That is a piece of art that exists in our, in our world, mm-hmm. and I don't think about the process of... It didn't, doesn't sound like it was ever written. Right. It just is. It, it exists. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think of that now in terms of constructing a, a sermon or executing a sermon. Right. How sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh man, these gears are really grinding. Like these are, yeah. And I don't remember as if they're trying almost too hard. Yeah, or this is clearly written. It's clear, you know. And because sometimes maybe we were getting the benefit of your, I won't say lack of preparation, but just ability to speak extemporaneously in the moment. I think we avoided a lot of that. I just wonder, and I don't expect you to have the answer, I wonder if that is what church is supposed to be. Obviously, the bigger your attendance, the tighter the reins probably have to be and all that. But I wonder, isn't that what the church family is? Maybe there's a guy up there speaking. Maybe. Maybe there's a guy up there directing the conversation. Right. But the American model of white male preacher standing on stage and the congregants... Yeah, looking yeah. up at him with their their palms upward, feed me. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes, because I've been in that boat too a little bit where you stand back, and not not only from the perspective of here's what the preacher's doing, or pastor, or whatever title you want to call him, but when you watch the audience, there's all that too. Sometimes there's just like a disconnect, like this guy's going to speak for a while. It'll go in one year and out the other. And and honestly, I mean, I'm in that boat, too. Like, I might be able to receive it, you know, 10 minutes later, I might not be able to tell you what what happened or what, you know, what the point of the main point. And that's, you know, we got guys working 30 hours a week for that to really drive that main point home. And then I can't couldn't tell you what the main point is. And I think a lot of people are like that, probably especially more. I'm going to maybe not. I would say more so men maybe than women. Mm hmm. Because we're Pentecostal, let me th- throw one more element here. I, at least I am. Uh, and, you know, Pentecostal churches and circles, a lot of times in church, there'll be that you have worship, 
And then this happens a lot at, at 52, at Church 52, where after worship, but before preaching, the pastor will stand up and, uh, what's the right word? He'll come to the pulpit and he'll, he will, I don't want to say give a prophetic word, but maybe he just speaks extemporaneously, like you're saying, uh, in the moment regarding something that maybe God's putting on his heart right then. Sometimes, most times, that might be the best part of the service. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you go on to do announcements, take an offering, and then he preaches. He's like, okay, well, this is like a, a teaching. I might learn something here. But the power was in that. Mm-hmm. Here's what I feel like God's speaking to me right now in this moment. And I think a lot of times that's probably what God wants to say to the church anyway. And, he, you know, most guys, if they've been at it a while, could they that could be their sermon. They could easily, just from being a person of the Word, a person of the Spirit, they could just expound on that for a little bit longer, which I think I found myself doing more, a lot off and on. Mm-hmm. I would say the last, in 15 years of pastoring, probably the last 10 years, were a lot like that. Um, not that I didn't have something, but I didn't always have a, a real deep plan of what I was going to say. And even at a couple times I preached at 52, kind of the same thing. I would maybe have an idea, a scripture, a thought, and then just really rely on the Holy Spirit to bring to my remembrance those things that needed to be said that he wanted to say. And sometimes you hit it and sometimes you don't. And I don't know that that matters. If it's word, it's word. Um, it could be just as beneficial as a 30-minute sermon that was all written right. out and didn't and didn't land, yeah. you know. So if there's not room for that, if the stage-facing screen's got that timer rel- sure. relentlessly, if there's not room for... So where's the encounter? And so maybe this... Um, Brings us into these prepared notes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Last time you and I talked about, for so long, a church search has been, do you like the worship? Do you like the preaching? Mm -hmm. And the mentality of church being a spectator sport and the consumeristic mentality of the church goer. Right. That's been gross to me for a long time now. Yeah. Because you go to church to serve, to build one another up. To It's a pep rally for the week to go, yeah. to go be the church. I think so. And <clears throat> so I've been anti that. But then as I have had months now of here and there and mm-hmm. there and here, and I can't get past that. Well, do I <laughs> do it? And it's it's part of it is pride. Well, we did it right. And, oh, yeah. Well. And, and, so I, I, but not everything. I, I'm right. working against that. But for those of us who are on that search, and by the way, Kyle Philibaum owes me an episode. He reached out to me and said he wanted to talk about this. But cool. Uh, how would you advise somebody against that mentality of, do I like the worship? Do I like the preaching? It's um, tough to get past. It is. And I don't know that you have to get past it. Let's look at it from a, let's add one more element into there. If we think, what is what is church life really all about? Is church life about the Sunday gathering or, or is it about the developing of a Christian community that, that grows and serves and lives together, edifies, cares for the needs of one another? So those things can happen in any context throughout the week and should be happening. And I think that can happen regardless of what the praise and worship and the preaching is like, the other elements of church life could happen in a small church with, 
you know, sister so-and-so who's 80 plays piano and they have announcements. It's very just, you know, it's a flashback to the 50s. The pastor gets up and preaches. They have an altar call. And you love that style. So that's fine because the people that are there, you can still build a community with them regardless. Or if you're like, you know what, man, I like loud, obnoxious worship. I like it when the lights are down. I like a full band. Um, I like a preacher who's who's fiery and spits and rants and rays, or I like a, a, a preacher who is more teach style. I mean, that's just, to me, that's like, I'm kind of letting you off the hook, I feel like. Like, that's, uh, this is what I like the gathering to be like. That's like saying, what you know, you have a group of people that you, maybe you work together, you're doing life with, but you're going to throw a party. Well, what kind of party do you want to have? <laughs> you want to throw a party that's like, you know, if nobody in your in your group likes to bowl, you're not going to have a bowling party, right? But if everybody likes to bowl, then you have bowling parties, and that's that's what your gatherings look like, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're going to have, um, every time you get together, you do pizza, or every time you get together, you do barbecue, well, that's dependent upon what you like. And so there's part of the gathering that is, I think, what you like, and that's okay. There's people that are going to disagree with this, for sure. They're going to say, well, you know, the gathering is super sacred, and it is, but how you approach that gathering, there's a, there's a lot of flexibility I, I think on that, and um, I don't know that that should be the. It shouldn't be the only point, but I think it's a valid a valid point. Um, um, I was telling Paula tonight that there's. I listen to um, not always, but a lot of times on the U version. There's a little a mm-hmm. little morning video, and it's somebody giving a little talk. Some of those I love because mm-hmm. it it feels very natural it feels very like a person just having a conversation and some of them feel very scripted very red like it's a it's a total three minute performance and and it drives me nuts even if what they're saying is really good i told paul i'm like if if this guy was my preacher i would have to like really get over the hump of watching this guy or this girl yeah um because i just their mannerisms and the way they do it would just be like oh it's such a production man i just it doesn't feel very real to me, but there's other people that they love that this person's well prepared. They they they've thought about this. They brought a something very intentional for us in this moment, and they like that. Okay, it's not going to hinder, I don't think, their ability to develop relationships with people in the church. Learn to love those people. Learn to care about their needs. Lift them up in prayer. Be lifted up by them in prayer. Be with them when they're sick. Celebrate with them when they have kids. You know help carry the burdens of life with them when things go wrong in life and things do go wrong in life. And you could, you know, anybody who loves Jesus is in in community together can carry those. It's not dependent upon the gathering. The flip side of that, it would be the people that just go to church for the gathering. Mm. And there's plenty of that too, where they don't, they're not really super interested in investing in people's lives and getting to know them. And to me, that's the hardest part really. Um, the fact that right now we're kind of we're going to a church that's a pretty good ways from our home, it's you know it's it's hard to connect with people when everybody lives a half hour away or whatever, and you know that happens everywhere. We live in that type of culture where we just drive places, so it is uh, what it is. And I feel like we're seeing the the destructive hand of the enemy of our soul through the pandemic. Not just the sporadic church going or the live streamers only, but just even. You know me, I'm a private, mostly don't touch me kind of guy. 
But I feel like you need to have an encounter. You need to be able to go up and speak a word or bless somebody or lay hands on somebody or the old, uh, the old, you know, rest in peace, the old howdy hello portion of the church. Where, oh, yeah. You know, touch three neighbors. Yeah. Or, I mean, shake another hand, shake so, a hand next to a, you. A lot of these things are th- probably things of the past. And... They don't have to be, though. They don't have to be. But I, as I observe, I have probably, this is the end of February, I have had so much fellowship in 2022, way, way more than I'm used to. Guys hit me up for dinner or, you know, awesome. serving at new churches and rubbing shoulders with strangers and mm-hmm. uh, seeing a brother I, hadn't see, I don't see very often on a little trip. Um, and I have run into so many, well, we're between churches right now. Yeah. And... It's rampant. These are people who love Jesus with all their heart, who I have, you know, much respect for from a, a kingdom standpoint. It, it is everywhere. You know, I go to a church to to help them on the music team, and they say, "Yeah, we're down about fifty five, sixty percent." Yeah, and it's all about the stream, and, and yeah. there's a lot of stress now about the yeah. stream right. and, and church drama about the stream. Mm-hmm. Are we mixing? We mixing yeah. for house, or are we mixing for stream? Right. And I think and, oh, I'm sorry. You, well, I, I think I've made my point. It's just I think we're on the verge, uh, and I think this has been coming for a, a long time. I mean, 20 years. But I think we're on the verge of redefining what what church is. It, it's been it what you started out with a moment ago of worship and preaching in that style. That has been what we've defined as church, and it is not what church is. That is yeah. that is the gathering, and you know it's just. I think it's just maybe come full circle, or maybe it's it's finished its thing. You know, I think that you know each generation has a this is the way we did church, and now we don't do it that way anymore. And I think we're on. COVID is, is, has um, accelerated yeah. that need for change, and I don't think it's going to change to just video. But I'm saying I think it's, I, I think, you know, maybe it's going to be, uh, maybe more, maybe smaller. I don't know. I mean, I've I've kind of felt that for a while that the big church was going to kind of be a thing of the past, but we're still scraping at it so bad. We just want it so bad. Hmm. As as people, you know, we're like that with. Especially in America, I think if you, if we took America out of the equation and started looking at church, mm. it just would not. The only way it would, you know, I think if you went to especially like a third world country and thought about church or a closed country where Christianity is not welcome and it's like dangerous to be a Christian, you know, it, church life does not look like what we do. This idea of let's all come together and be loud and boisterous and or just have a huge, super huge gathering just to. Talk about Jesus. I think that those things aren't happening. And where they are, it's been the influence of American missionaries on foreign territories right. where we just try to emulate, which we, missionaries have been doing this forever. You got the handful of, that are trying to go and make pastors of that culture so those people can yeah. leave the church. And then you've got guys that just stay there forever. Yeah. You know, they're in, I don't know. I, I don't know what that will look like in the long run, but I, I do think that we're in the in the forefront of a serious change and and um I think it's going to be a good thing I think that it's going to you know weed out we're we're kind of past that I mean we're a post-christian culture we've had this conversation on this podcast before you know you drive through a neighborhood on Sundays and 
the driveways are not empty. Everybody, you know, the cars are still there. They're not going to church on Sunday. Those days are gone. Yeah, my car was there every Sunday morning for 10 years, so I was in that group. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Or Sunday night. I mean, they just, yeah, you know, they're, yeah. not, they're not going somewhere. And um, I mean, there's great things that the church can do when it's large and, far, and when it comes to impact, but most of those things are... They're momentary, yeah. you know, so we can do large, you know, you can do larger events if you're a larger church, but that is a one day or, you know, two or three day event that you do. And then you're back to winning people the good old fashioned way, which is loving them and meeting them and having a real genu- genuine relationship with people, which is every missionary does this. Mm-hmm. You know, missionaries don't go to foreign lands and try to build an American church and then hope people will come to it. They go and inject themselves into the community, the culture. And I think America's got to get back to that to some degree. I think the churches that are existing will exist, but I don't, I just, I've felt this way for a long, long time. Even when we planted a church, if I planted again, I would not do it the way I did. I would would do it, I would be different than even then. And that is when we ran out of time. Hey, thanks for listening. Please join us next time when we hear the conclusion of Sparkling Waters with the Front Man. Have some other fun stuff planned for 2022. Please check back early and often. listening to Big C, Little C, theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.